0: 1972's The Godfather and 1974's The Godfather Part 2 are considered two of the greatest movies ever created in world and American cinema. Part 3, though, not so much. So these are the ones that we're reviewing today. As mentioned before, Godfather and Godfather Part II are two of the greatest movies ever in the history of world and American cinema. The only films where the original and the sequel won Oscars for Best Picture. And it made a household name of a fellow by the name of Francis Ford Coppola, who basically with his uh, struggles in the first movie opened the door for other guys by the name of Scorsese, Spielberg, and Lucas. Francis Ford Coppola in recent years has gone on to recut and redo his films. Apocalypse Now have been having two cuts on him uh, as well as The Cotton Club which I would highly recommend considering the original was not that great a cut. And recently he did that to his movie The Godfather Part 3 which is now known as The Godfather Coda The Death of Michael Corleone. I'm sitting here today with the uh, great compadre Amigo Mother, a uh, brother from another mother. Although you're, I think your mother's claiming me now, but still, <laughs> um, the great Gary Merchant, Mr. Gary Rumsey. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? Very good, sir. Um, you and I to tackle the hell of a project. Something that uh, we kind of used to do once in a bit when we would sit there and play all three movies in a row. But this time around, we decided to do the original cut of the Godfather, and we watched. After right after that, the Godfather, Code, of the death of Michael Corleone. So my first question, let me start off with the first one. Do you remember the first time you saw the Godfather Part Three? Absolutely. What were you doing? It's in a movie theater.
1: Not doing the Pee Wee Herman, by the way. <laughs> I'm <sure of> that.
0: <laughs> but well, well, I mean, did you? Because the way I remember, I remember that I that um I went to go see a movie sometime during the summertime, and there was the 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 big old trailer the continuing saga of the you know of the godfather right and so i was excited to hell to go see it it was released christmas day 1990 mm-hmm. and i went to the amc theater universal but i didn't get to see it because there was a line from here to hong kong and um so i ended up watching uh the october house or something with sean connery and michelle pfeiffer i think that's mm-hmm. what it was called. <laughs> because you know what nobody was there to see that of course <laughs> but what were your first uh um i well, what did you first think of the godfather part three when you saw it i mean let's get out of the way that that did you think that it was going to be as good as the first two or what did you think
1: well i had that expectation that it was going to be a great film but um i can't i know i saw right after it came out it wasn't the christmas day i mean it was probably even two or three days after i don't remember but you know, like, like most people, the first time you see it, you're disappointed, and I think it just stems from the fact that you had such expectations watching the first two films, right, and so you're gonna automatically put it up against those two films that, that's and that's yeah. and when you do that, you kind of go, well, this wasn't that good of a film, right, but you know it's one of those films in hindsight, you watch it because i I only saw it that time in nineteen ninety right. And then I didn't see it again until 2001 when they finally released all three Godfathers on DVD, which, of course, that was, you wow, know, 2001, so, that was an anticipated thing. So 11 thing. years for you before you be Yeah, you'd then I watched right. it again. And the second time I saw it, I went, okay, it wasn't as bad as I remember it, you know. Right. And, um, you know, of course, the biggest critique that you constantly heard after it was released sure. was, was the acting of uh, Miss Sophia Coppola. Now an people, Oscar winner, by the way. Yeah, for. <laughs> Screenplay, right? Yeah. Right. Two-time Oscar
0: yeah. nominees. Yeah, she won for Best Screenplay and she was, she was nominated for Director.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, but it, I, I remember at the time everybody was ripping on her acting and I just remember watching it just thinking after seeing it, I was just kind of like going, well, I don't think she was... I mean, as I stated, you know, right before we watched these two right. cuts last right. week, I stated, you know, well, clearly she didn't study under Stella Adler, but <laughs> but by no means do I think she Who was... Who does, right? I, by no means she was not horrible i mean i've seen worse performers performances by you know big name actors like keanu reeves, reeves and <laughs> i mean you know i mean she was not an actress. directed by her father <laughs> yeah i mean let me put this way i mean if you're gonna look at this way if you want to say this is like you know the world series in the 1932 you know you had babe ruth on your team but he's injured and you got a pinch hit with him with somebody else and that's what coppola did he had right. apparently winona Ryder lined up to to play that role of Mary Corleone, and she had some kind of flip out, couldn't make it. So, on a pinch, you know, Sophia Coppola stepped in, and the way I would describe her performance would be: it got the job done. I don't think she was absolutely horrible. By no means that people said she was. No means was she, you know, she blow you away, but she she got the job done. She did what she had to do, and
0: I'll, I'll go with you on that. I mean, my I remember my first impression was somewhat similar. I, I actually hated it. Mm-hmm. I was uh. I was so disappointed and so like, what the fuck, right? What what, what are we watching here? This is just mm-hmm. so stupid, right? And convoluted, right? And um, somebody for Christmas gave me, or for my birthday the following February, or something like that, gave me the complete Godfather set on VHS. Remember those? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they they were two cassettes each, and so you know, being as as neat as and orderly as I am you know i had them scattered about and so it was roughly about a year later and i popped in what i thought was godfather 2 into the uh, into the video machine and it's turned out that it was godfather 3 and and honestly i was just kind of too lazy to get up and change the videos so i watched it again and like yourself i had a different i i saw it differently at that point Maybe, maybe again, like yourself, and, and actually not even maybe, I'll be, I'll be quite blunt. I was expecting it to be just as great as, as the first two, you know? Mm-hmm. It's Francis Ford Coppola, you got the same writers, you got Pacino back, you got, you know, you, that's what you're expecting. You're expecting this, this, you know, but as I said at the top of the show, I mean, number one, let, let's ask the question, is it fair to compare Godfather 3 in its original cut to two of the greatest movies
1: ever made? definitely natural to do that but is it the right thing to do i mean because you have to consider i mean you know godfather one and two came out two years of each other you know the right. one on top of this is you know this was a 16 year gap right and of course you know that takes place many years later right um you know we'll get more into it when we discuss the, sure. the second cut but that second cut revealed to me what the big problem with the first one is a lot of a lot of pork in it, a lot of yes. unnecessary. <laughs> and you realize that after you see the recut, you kind right. of realize, okay, yeah, there's a lot of unnecessary extended, drawn out scenes that really were not important, right? Which really slowed the pace of the movie down, right? I remember it, it, when we were discussing it, when we were, when I was popping in
0: the, because um, the way we did it, folks, is we watched it on my old, uh, on my Blu-rays version that I have of The Godfather, and then we watched the Coda streamed because that's the only way you can kind of get it at the moment, but. Um, i remember you said that what you thought of and it's kind of funny cuz this is this is the the reaction and we'll talk about it more when we when we discuss the coda that's exactly what you said you said that you thought that the problem with 3 was that it dragged in places
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know you were you were very you were very adamant about that because we both agree sophia Coppola... I mean the story goes for those that don't know and if you are listening to the show and are into movies, you know the story, right? When Ona Ryder was originally cast to play Mary Corleone and uh, she she claimed stress, but in reality the stress was called Johnny Depp.
1: <laughs> she oh, could there. have been a shoplifting conviction, I'm not sure which you No, no, no. I think that kind
0: of <laughs> But uh, but it was Johnny Depp who who apparently kind of she she says that this isn't true. But a lot of people say, "Yeah, yeah, it was." That uh, he yeah, kind I mean, of forced. Well, for Christ's in-
1: sakes, I mean, who's going to turn down the chance to work in one of the greatest American sagas, sagas yeah, yeah. with one of the premier American directors? I mean, who would who would skip out on that? Right,
0: right. And, and you know that she's the one that brought the Bram Stoker project to him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, almost like as a peace offering, right? Um, just another little kind of behind the scenes thing with with um, with. Um, Godfather Part 3 um, you guys might want to wiki this or google it or whatever but there was an actress by the name of Rebecca Schaefer who on the morning that she was killed um, was to audition for the role yep. of Mary Corleone in Godfather Part 3 which at the time had not been cast and so that's one of the unfortunate notes with it but um, so so Winona Ryder was given the role and um, so Sophia Coppola like you said filled in I had no problem with her in the movie, even back then, Mm -hmm. you know, my, my, um, my, I I guess what I didn't like about it or, or what I, why I didn't like it at first was because I think they were trying too hard on the whole redemptive thing with Michael, you know, where, you know, Michael's trying to finally, you know, I mean, he's lost everything figuratively at this point. Right, mm-hmm. and so, but he's still trying to look for some sort of redemption, like that's going to get anything back. And to me, that just seemed very unrealistic. Where I thought the first two movies concentrated a lot on on tradition, family, although, albeit, you know, in a very warped way, because they are criminals, right? But I just, I just thought that they were trying too hard to try to make Michael a good guy for what then happens later when he has to pay for his sins. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And so, you know after watching the first two godfather's and you watch michael corleone in godfather 3 it just it was just it was just too much for me to accept that you know what all of a sudden this guy isn't going to
1: get what he deserves and are you supposed to feel sorry for him at that point, you know? point. cuz so, when you when you look at i mean the first two right the focus is you know michael is the focus of the character but you see he goes from being the good guy who's not supposed to be involved in this right who gets into it with intentions of making the family legitimate then you right. end up watching his the deterioration of his soul as he just becomes yeah you know a cold-hearted criminal to me part three is all about what the, as i say his chickens come home to roost I,
0: I i think so i mean one of the one of the greatest scenes in my view is is the uh ending scene of part two where you just see michael corleone sitting there by himself you might you could have been you could have filmed a stone and it would have given you the same emotion mm-hmm. that Michael Corleone because he's gone he's dead at that point he's done
1: yeah you see that last scene with Kay. we you know when she got the door and he just yep coldly stares at her and just closes the door on her yep and that's that's it mm-hmm. you know in part three that that was kind of one of
0: the things that that you know bugged me the very first time I saw it the second time I saw it however I kind of got it I kind of got the idea because you know. He, he, I don't know if it's like redemption for himself, but just redemption for his children, you know? Mm-hmm. He he doesn't want them to carry around the stigma of being a Corleone, right? That's why it's so hard. That's why it's kind of a, an interesting view to see him let go of Anthony, yeah. let go of, uh, you know, kind of sort of give, uh, give uh, uh, Mary's character more of a legitimate role in the yeah. family.
1: Which is also, I think, one of the... The flaws in part three is that because, you know, he's adamant about, you know, Michael being, not Michael, but um Anthony being a, a lawyer. Right. But when, you know, when he comes and says, no, dad, I want to pursue music, he seems like he would have, if he didn't want this for his son, it seems like he would have been more grateful. Okay, fine. You're not even going to be involved even in, in law. You're going to be involved in, in the arts. This is, right. you can't get further away from the mob than that. Right. Now you and I have both. So read it the, seemed like he would have been thrilled with that, but instead he was so insistent that he.
0: Right. Because he wanted him to secure a future. Yeah. But you and I both read the book. Right, mm-hmm. uh, so we have that in common as well as why we appreciate how well the movies were made. Now, in the book, there's a similar scene to that scene where Michael tells Vito, "I ain't doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to college, and I'm going to, you know." And then, then of course, there's the conversation when he goes into the in the Marines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, and this scene kind of mirrors that. But here's the thing: he when. The difference is that when he lets him go, I think that he kind of realizes, you know, this is part of where I guess, you know, i got to redeem myself. Whereas Vito Corleone just let him go because he didn't want him to be a part of this at all, you know. And so, you know, there there was a lot of, you know, the the movie's still somewhat flawed. But it's not a bad movie as I remember it the first time. Like I said, I think there was a lot of passion the first Mm -hmm. time I saw it because... I I I vehemently think the first two films are the greatest two movies I've ever seen you know I mean they're just you know and I've seen before folks jump I mean oh what about this one? believe me I've seen a shit load of movies Miss, uh, Mr. Rumsey here and I have seen a lot of foreign films and 70s 50s porn 40s films?
1: <laughs> have you seen porn films no you just said we've seen a lot of porn films no foreign films oh, okay sorry. okay, <laughs> thank you thanks for clearing that up <laughs> you know
0: and you, and I were, you and I were big homers of the 1990s independent movement we used to see independent mm-hmm. films galore all the time mm-hmm. back in those days um but i still i still think that godfather's one and godfather 2 are watershed moments now um did uh, wh- what did you think of Andy garcia's character and his role in 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 uh, godfather 3
1: first time i saw it i hated his character i just it was just i just i saw him as this over the top as you know tr- stereotypical hothead you know would, right. would it, of course he was sonny's bastard kid but you know <laughs> Um ice cream truck's disturbing. Yeah, right. We have an ice cream truck in the studio. Yeah. Get out of here, man. Right. Um but no, I mean it but I you kinda come to appreciate the fact that okay, yeah, so he's Kind of on the outside, and you see that scene, you know, when he finally gets kind of brought into the thing. You see Sonny's mistress all happy with right. joy. But it's like, who'd be happy about your kid getting mixed up in that? <laughs> you know, I, I thought that was kind of a silly scene. Right.
0: But, um, I mean, there, to me, there's a few silly scenes. I mean, the whole idea of, the, uh, not even silly scenes. I would say silly lines, mm-hmm. right? Because, for example, the, the Bridget Fonda character. You know, she sleeps with Andy Garcia's character Vincent Corley or Vincent Mancini at that point.
1: And by the way, laying her head on that friggin'
0: <laughs> rug that's on his chest. Man, can, can she, she might as the... well have
1: been laying in a ru- on a rug. Right? Yeah, I never I mean, I, that was that was a standout moment. <laughs> that bearskin rug that he had going there, God.
0: So so but she tells him a line,
1: Do you love me?
0: You just met. <laughs> yeah.
1: You met at a party, you went home, you fucked, and then exactly. it's like well yeah. yeah, and then but that's that, that epitomizes women, do they you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, no, to, to me, to me, what it, to me, that you know, that was kind of, I think, some of the. Um, if if I were to see like Floss today in, in the movie, you know, knowing how I've seen it a million times. Just some of the lines, really. Mm-hmm. That kind of, that kind of get to me, where I'm like, come on, that that's like not yeah. realistic. That was right. a silly
1: line, because right. obviously she had been around the block. She knew it was up.
0: Well, yeah, and 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 there's this scene where they actually meet, where he tells her, hey, let's go gamble or whatever, and mm-hmm. then she tells him, hey, who's that guy right there, the the hitman for Joey Zaza?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, he tells her, yeah, he dips his bullets in cyanide. What good is that gonna do? Because the bullet itself should be able to kill you, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. What's the cyanide gonna do? Make you die slower? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh shit! This guy died of cyanide poison, not the bullet that went through his head. <laughs> so it. So there's like silly lines like that where I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. you know. But overall, when I when I um, when I saw it again, I, I realized I actually felt stupid about it because I realized, you know what? I don't think that Coppola went in there with the intent of even trying to top the first two. I think he even realized that that would be too much to do. It's like asking the Beatles to do three Sergeant Peppers in a row yeah. or
1: three Abbey Rhodes in a row or whatever. Yeah. You know? He was just trying to reveal what happened to Michael Corleone. You, when, when, when part two ends, you, you're left to wonder, what happened to this guy after this? Right. And that was part three. And that's why I've kind of come to view part three as, okay, fine, not a great film, but... A, a, a very good but necessary film. That's how I came to see it. That after. was going to
0: be that was going to be my next question to you. So we see in part 2 where Michael is sitting by himself after he orders the death of Fredo, right? And he's sitting by and then it backflashes to when he joins the the Marines, right? And then you see him just sitting by himself at, at the Nevada location and stuff that the new home that they have there and he just sits there. My question at that point was, did you think there was a need for a part 3? Because for a while I didn't think so, you know. And and mm-hmm. you know, go ahead. I want to hear your answer.
1: Yeah, when you first, you know, because when you first watch it, yeah, you might not think that 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 that's a fairly proper ending. But you're always still left wondering, what did you know? What really what happened to the whole Corleone family after that? What right. what became of Michael and what became of his marriage? Did him and Kay officially dissolve the marriage, or did they work it out? I mean, you didn't know. You just didn't know. You didn't. You didn't you Part three kind of brings that all together, you know. Clearly, right. when the movie begins, you that party starts. You know that for sure. Kay left. Kay remarried, and mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and his own son came to somewhat despise him. I guess you could say, in a way, you know, his daughter. You know, that was the thing about. I think Sophia Coppola did a good job. It was capturing the naivety, naivety, and the innocence of her. Right. You know, she kind of really didn't understand what everything was all about.
0: Right. Now, and and again, that's one of my, my, kind of something that I kind of realized later. What could Winona Ryder have possibly brought to this role that Sophia didn't? Exactly. You know?
1: It it, didn't call for a a stellar standout
0: performance. It just... I'm sure that they would have to do some sort of rewrites because originally, of course, you know, Robert Duvall was supposed to be in it, but he didn't get paid. And mm-hmm. so that's what, you know, that's what they called hit, a hit on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, he called his own hit right there on, on that. But, I mean, over the years, there have been many stories, many ideas of what was supposed to happen. You know, mainly that Anthony in some way was going to take over the family. And, you know, there was, there was going to be um, what, um, what Coppola said that if, there, if Mario Puzo had lived... You know, they were thinking about doing a part four where Vincent's life kinda it, it would have been kinda like part two, where Vincent and Sonny are shown, you know, going back and forth right. and that he wanted Vincent to die kinda like uh the Colombian dude, uh yeah.
1: Escobar. Now that would have been unnecessary. Right, I, I agree. I don't think that was I don't I mean I I don't I don't think the Vincent Corleone character was captivating enough to leave you wondering, well, what happened to him? I right. don't think anybody well, cared.
0: At, at this point you kind of would you know, you kind of if you if you if you're, you know, read news or know anything about history at all, you know what happens to the mafia going into the 80s and into the 90s. They got, you know, you know, diverse by the guy that has a just for men running down his face, you know. (laughs) So so there wasn't much to tell at that point. One point that I want to touch on before we uh, go into um, going to speaking about Dakota is one of my favorite points from and You brought this up from the moment I've known you, and that we've watched this movie a million times over. Connie Corleone.
1: That was the biggest <laughs> question mark of the whole thing. Because I mean, okay, so part one, she's you know she's in the marriage this guy. They're gonna bring into the family. She's a you know she's a hothead. He's abusive you know then then by part she's two she's spoiled she, rotten yeah. is what it is yeah, right. she's, a, yeah she's a spoiled brat she's a right. spoiled, as he said a spoiled grinny brat <laughs> alright then part two then she's you know she's just off just traveling the world running around with all these different men you know whatever That's the right. case may be with, with then, men named Merle yeah <laughs> And then part three begins. and All of a sudden, she's like this big power player in the family. Where did that? Where did <laughs> that made no sense to me. It was like right. She was like the shadow behind the behind the power. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. And you're, and you sit there and you go, well, wait a minute. And that because first of all, in the mafioso world, right. Women don't get roles like that at all. They
0: no, they don't. And so so to me, that I mean, I could see why she maybe was kind of his right hand man a little more. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, there's some lines that 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 she says one of the big doozy lines to me that keeps me wondering so in this, going back to the original to the scene where, where Kay confronts uh, Michael about letting Anthony go right he leaves and she tells him Kay tells him Tony knows you killed Fredo Mm-hmm. Tony knows you killed Fredo now, mind you when Fredo was shot Yes, Anthony was there. So was Neri, and so was Connie. Cause remember, she's the one that calls him. Yeah. But Connie, when she's injecting him with insulin after he confesses to the to the cardinal, says, "Fredo drowned." hmm Right, and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Is she in some sort of denial? Did, did, was that like a miswrite? What What was that? You know? Cause I, I have to agree with you too. When did When did she become more? I mean, I know that she advocates mm-hmm. for for Vincent. Cool, I get that, you know, but in part two, for example, I mean, in the book, again, if you look into the book, Lucy Mancini, who is the one that uh, Sonny's drilling behind the door in one, and in in part three is Vincent's uh, father, um, she's best friends with Connie. That's why she's the bridesmaid at at the wedding. But in part two, you don't even, I mean, this was like a whole totally made up timeline. I get it, you know, it's part three, but... Connie comes on as like she's like she's like I don't know she's like the 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 one in the background that 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 just seems to kind of almost hold as much power as Michael.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it just made no sense. It was
0: right, like she's like the one that didn't want to go into the legitimate world, and Al Pacino did. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So one last again one last question. I said this the last time. So overall, I want I want you to um, tell me what you what you know. Looking at it now, what you thought of the original cut when we saw it just uh just now, and when um and what did you think of the performances of the actors themselves, which ones impressed you? which ones did not?
1: Um, so after watching it again, I okay. would still say it's the same thing after I saw it when I, first time when I saw it for the second time in two thousand one, which is slow, a very good film, but slow in in several parts. Um, and again, totally necessary. Okay. Um, Performance-wise, I mean, you know, Pacino, you got to give him his due. He's Al right. Pacino. Right. <laughs> um, you know, um, Diane Keaton, again, I kind of, I liked i liked her performance. I really liked the the disdain that she still carried for Michael. It was like, right. the really answer a lot of questions that, that, that she'd clearly never got over the fact that... I think she, in a way, betrayed by Michael because Michael assured her that the Corleo family would be right. legitimate and instead, you know, it almost got her killed in one scene, you know, right. in part two and and drove her to even aborting right. a baby boy, you know, to, because she didn't want him to be brought up in that
0: environment, right? Yeah,
1: right. Uh, so, um, you know, so Diane Keaton, I think she really kind of was the standout performance for me in that one. I really liked, even though she wasn't a major role in it, but clearly the the fact that she was just still around for the sake of the, ch- the sake of the children <laughs> <laughs> that's another movie we'll review yeah, on another day yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah i mean that whole scene when you know when she when her and michael are alone and she lets him have it you know right.
0: and uh, she's really the only one that could ever do that to michael yeah. without fear mm-hmm. you know yeah. yeah that's the only one mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, Andy Garcia, I mean, yeah, it's all right performance. I mean, I'm not going to knock that. And again, I think Sophia Coppola really took a, a lot of beatings that were undeserved. I don't think. I agree. Like I said, she's not an actress. She never wanted to be an actress. She didn't attempt to be an actress. Right. She just, it was pretty much asking, it was pretty much asking like Manny Mota to step in and bat for <laughs> Babe Ruth, I guess, you know?
0: Well, but, but you know what? <laughs> that final scene of the movie, mm-hmm. she nailed it
1: yeah that was, was that
0: was she nailed
1: that yeah the you know this yeah because you know you, you typically you know the stereotypical getting shot scene is
0: oh, yeah, you know calculus.
1: instead i mean it was it was a, she was stunned she was just the look on her face was she had that you know shot right in the chest the, right. the blood spain and she was just dad and that's it yeah because it was you know that was a fatal shot it was right where a major artery is she's gonna bleed out fast she's gonna die fast right. and and the fact was it wasn't this whole dramatic you know where she's screaming and Yeah, she actually. Yeah, she. That I think that was probably her finest hour in the film. I I think so too because she, uh, you know, and it's very symbolic.
0: And it's again, I think of the, of of what um, of what Coppola intended for Michael because, she is, she looks at him, and that's the last thing she sees in this world, Mm -hmm. right? And and you know, he's he's powerless, you know. There's nothing he could do at this point. There's nothing he could do, you know. And and so. You know, Part Three. Like I said, I, I liked it. I mean, now I like it. I I I, um, I, I will agree with you that, that it does does move slow in some parts, and I will agree with you on the uh, idea of the performances. I think Pacino and and Keaton, especially in the scene when they're in Sicily and they're talking about confessing their love right before they come in and find out that Don Tomasino has just gotten shot. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really great acting. That was like that was like a, an acting class to watch these two great actors really, you know, touch on on a on a scene that that, you know, you, you, there's no fireworks but you know that there's a lot of passion behind it, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a lot of history behind it, you know. So that was kind of cool to me. Um Eli Wallach and Joe Mantegna, usually reliable actors, and this to me was just, you know, I mm-hmm. I, I think I would give uh I think I would give uh Sophia Coppola better credit for what she did than what uh <laughs> Yeah. Than what they did But anywho So we've reached the uh, The first conclusion Of a Godfather Part 3 I'm gonna take a small break And then we'll come back And review Godfather Coda The death of Michael Corleone Alright We're back We're back No? No Alright thanks Alright so we're here To now review After watching it And um Godfather Coda, the death of Michael Corleone. Now a little history on the title and what this new cut is all about. Francis Ford Coppola always claimed that um, Mario Puzo and his vision of a Godfather well what became Godfather 3 was this cut. But for reasons unknown, the studios wanted to be called Godfather 3 because they thought that the, uh, the title was too long and for some reason they wanted that version as opposed to the one that we saw recently um, I'm going to just start off and
1: tell you or ask you right away what did you think? I thought it was a much better film actually I think that, that as I said in the first one um, or the original cut right um, a lot of fat a lot of slow moving scenes a lot of unnecessary dialogue a lot of that just movie kind of at times made you lose your focus and attention on the film this one I mean just from the very beginning he cuts right to the chase to where the the uh the the catholic cardinal there and Michael Corleone make their little deal right cuts right to the chase no long drawn out bs and even the party scene afterwards I mean that's like cutting half
0: well he he totally eliminates the the uh the scene where Michael's getting his award and and you know you see Kay come in and you know the whole thing Totally, because you know, I mean, shit. I guess one of the reasons I left the Catholic Church was precisely because of boring masses, right? But yeah. anywho, but I agree with you. I like the idea that it just kind of cut to the chase. You kind of see from the very start what the movie's going to be about. You don't. You're not waiting around for for uh, for the movie to get started. In other words, because. Let's face it. I mean, though, I think the what the studios may have been telling uh, uh, Coppola was, you know, the first two films started with a party. This one should start with a party. You know, he eliminates the scene where in, par, in uh, the original cut you see the old uh, the old fortress in Nevada totally mm-hmm. dilapidated, yep. and and you know, so it just starts at the scene where he's talking to Cardinal Kildare and and are you know trying to fix their $685 million problem, you know. And I thought it was a tighter entrance. I thought it was a a better entrance. Mm -hmm. I thought it set the scene right away. It shows you... It answers your question right off the bat. What happened to Michael Corleone after part two? Mm -hmm. He's still dealing and wheeling there, (laughs) you know. And, and, you know, uh, it jumps right away in the party scene. Again, the party scene is really tight, too. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of this... uh, Meandering, you know, speeches back and forth. It's just there's Joey Zaza, there's Connie leading the party. There is some conversation with Michael about, you know, the meaning of all this other stuff. You see Vincent almost from the beginning. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, it it, it did time. You see the confrontation between Kay and uh, and um, and uh, and Michael. You know what I liked about that that this tighter version in that of that particular scene when they first see each other. That she didn't go to the church. She's just simply there for her kid. Yeah. And that's it. She mm-hmm. ain't there to fucking, you know, fuck about. She's not there to eat cake. She's not there to sit through mass. She's there for her kid. And she just wants this shit to be, you know, the the the, the, the subject of why she's there. Exactly. Right. What, uh, what, what else were your thoughts on it? You know,
1: I don't... Have a whole lot to say about. I mean, other than the fact is, I just I think that I think the key thing is he trimmed out the fat. He cut to the chase on a lot of things. I mean, he just didn't. It's just hard to describe. It's the running time was only like eleven minutes shorter, but it felt like a half hour shorter. Just like it just moved so much quicker. Quicker.
0: It it moved smoother. It had rhythm, and -hmm. that's what I that's what I liked about it.
1: Yeah, you didn't. You didn't have those long drawn out scenes where you kind of we would lose interest a bit. You kind of. I mean, it just you kept you into it the whole time, right? Now, one of the scenes that he
0: uh, trimmed and and tightened, if as it were, was the scene right after Michael makes his um, makes his pitch to to get the the control of Immobiliare in New York City, right? Mm-hmm. That scene is cut altogether. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 a there's a re-cut because the the Catholic businessmen who are in, not in favor, that scene is out. It yeah. just goes straight to Kildare saying, you know. This is gonna be in good hands with Michael Corleone. Um, then it goes to the scene where, where Mary and him are having the conversation on top of the penthouse. Yeah. And that's trimmed, mm-hmm. it's tighter. My question to you, knowing, I'm, come on, it's his daughter, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, do you think there was like a consorted effort here with him trying to to maybe improve on her performance or maybe realize that too much of that shit is why people were hating her role so much?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't. I, I'm sorry, if you, if, you, if your reason for hating the film was because of Sophia Coppola's performance, then yeah. you're misguided because it's just. Well, then that's you missed the whole it. fucking point of the whole And scenario. I don't think there really was any cleaning up for her performance to do. As I said, I mean, it wasn't. It didn't call for, you know, a Betty Davis in, uh, in, and <laughs> in, um, All About Eve type performance. It didn't call for that. It was just right. she just had to be a young, naive, innocent girl. I think with the tight- and I don't I mean I know that he cut out you know some of the scenes cut him down I don't think it's a matter of tightening up her performance it was just cutting out unnecessary scenes I think that, that
0: uh, in that particular scene for me though everything you said about what she's supposed to be she was mm-hmm. right because she's just innocently asking that, instead of like questioning the whole business side of things she's just questioning why am I doing this again <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you would expect, a naive nineteen-year-old little girl wondering why the hell she's being given such responsibility, right? Um, there's others. That, really, the idea of of um, of the coda, as far as Francis Ford Coppola said, and and what we saw was a reshuffling of a couple of scenes. For the most part, the movies pretty much the same. There, um, there are scenes where where uh, the relationship between uh, Corleone, Michael Corleone, Vincent, and Joey Zaza is tightened up. Another, when I say Mm -hmm. tighten up, there's a lot of trimming of lines and dialogue that really were kind of unnecessary in the first place. You know,
1: unnecessary. Dialogue
0: that just slowed the film down. Exactly, and in this, and I agree with you. I agree with you one hundred percent. The one thing I loved about this movie is that it found a rhythm mm-hmm. almost right off the bat. You know, and you, I
1: truly think if this if this had been the original cut in nineteen ninety, right. it would have been better received.
0: I think so too. I, I I like this cut better because again, it you're not waiting for the movie to start. And that's mm-hmm. what you do in the beginning where you see the dilapidated house, yeah. where you see the ceremony, mm-hmm. where you see that overextended party, which are trying to kind of copy mm-hmm. the Connie wedding scene from part one. You know, this just cuts to the chase. You know, this is like, this is better. You know, there's still the scene with Bridget Fonda and blah, blah, yeah. you know, but there's, there's there's more flow to Vincent. There's more reason for Vincent to be there. It, 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 Vincent is not like this long lost cousin that nobody mm-hmm. knows about he's been around and you can kind of hear this yeah. in this better cut um, there's of course the um, the assassination scene there's some stuff that was cut from there as well at the very end of the movie um, I I liked it I agree mm-hmm. with you I think that if this had been the cut this would have been well a lot better received than what it was and yeah. Sophia Coppola would not have been as panned as she was when it first came out because I, I thought that when she dies, there, the way this movie's cut, there's a greater impact in how this goes. Because mm-hmm. as much as I criticized it in the, fir- the first time when I thought that it was too cheesy for Michael Corleone to try to get redemption, I think in this movie, uh, Corleone, Michael, is, is between two worlds. He still has a grip on, on what he wants to let go of, but he doesn't want to let go of it. You know what I'm, I'm saying? saying yeah. Until until the very end, where he's just like, "Fuck it, I can't. I just can't do this anymore." You know? And it makes more sense at that point that he does it, because now he knows who's betraying him. Now he knows the whole thing at the Vatican makes a lot more sense. There's there's a tightness to it that I, and again, a, a better flow to it than what I originally expected. What did you expect when you heard Godfather Coda? And and what did you think? What did you think he was gonna do?
1: I didn't actually. I didn't have any thoughts on it at all. I was I was just curious to see. Okay, let's see what he does. I didn't have any ideas what he could possibly do. I mean, right? He, you know, he he puts the title of Death of Michael Corleone. Now that's kind of what's what's cool about it is that. In the original cut, you see Michael Corleone in the last scene literally. sitting in that chair. Literally slumps over and falls off the chair, dead. Right. You know, of course, I always like to envision those two dogs around him going over there and start eating him, but that didn't. Happen. <laughs> I said but hump. But this one, though, I in said the, hump. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been something too. But in this one, it ends with Michael just sitting in the chair. You don't see him keel. You don't see him keel over. Right. So you really don't see the death of Michael Corleone. The death of Michael Corleone is only in the title.
0: It, but it happens when he loses his daughter and, and mm-hmm. because to me the impact of, of that scene the, the famous scene and one of the most brilliant parts of, of the original cut and he kept it in this one is when he when you see him scream in agony mm-hmm. and you don't hear him it's just like this internal yearning of sorrow mm-hmm. and pain and like you said he knows at this point that the chickens have come back to roost you mm-hmm. know and and To me, that that this tightness in this movie, the way that he reshuffled everything, has such a better impact on those scenes than than what you know, because they weren't dragging to get to this point.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You knew that it was going to get to that point eventually. You know, you having watched it, but it was just such a better flow to it. Um, I think the death of Michael Corleone is what you and I have in the past called the Salieri, (laughs) the Salieri complex. Mm -hmm. He's lived long enough to to realize. How fucked up his life really was, and 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 that's a death in and itself. And I think that's kind of what he was going for, you know. When, when you say the death of Michael Corleone, you don't see him die because, you know, he's he's there's no need. You know that it, you know that he's gotten his just comings, and it's over. You know, yep. it's it's done. You just, you see it. You know, to me that was what was more impactful about it. I'll admit I've seen a lot of people critiquing that ending. Um, I've read a lot of people critiquing the fact that you don't see him keel over and and mm-hmm. and fall on the ground, you know, or whatever. I uh, and I'll tell you what, just to kind of wrap up and and you know, I, I I agree with you. I think this was a better cut. I I really wish Coppola would have fought for this one, like he did with part one. But part, remember, by this time of the t- of his career, he didn't have the same power. He didn't have a, power, a lot of power in part one yeah. either. Yeah, but. He didn't have that kind of an impact by that point. Yeah, because so, by the
1: time he put it out, he was in something of a slump. I mean, Right, didn't...
0: slump and in, and in debt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, really, here, here's how I view the two of them. Part 3 was done because he was broke. Coda was done because he didn't eat the money.
1: Yeah. He just wanted to make his film. It was an artistic endeavor. I mean, it exactly. was him trying to put forth his original vision or how he had probably hoped he had done it.
0: Exactly. I, I feel that... Um, I, I, I honestly I feel that I would have been a hell of a lot more satisfied if this had been the original cut. Yeah, I, and, I just really like. And
1: my it. advice to anybody who had never seen any of the films, if after you watch one and two and you're gonna have to watch part three, I would definitely go with the the coda version. Coda was. first, yeah, right? Definitely, yeah. Or or do what we did, watch them back to back and yeah. kind of. But if you don't want to be disappointed as much, watch coda first. Yeah, coda, <laughs> coda
0: was really, I would recommend it. It's mm-hmm. only two ninety nine if you want to stream it. You know, and it's to me, it's a hell of a lot worth it. One last thing I want to say about why I like the shuffling and the and the uh, and the tightness of this movie is that I think that that had this been the original cut, Al Pacino gets an Oscar nomination because his performance just kind of kind of gets lifted because mm-hmm. of this new cut. You know, and maybe even Diane Keaton because her performance in this. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny how just a little bit of a change or a little bit of a trim or a little bit of maybe moving a line here or there changes the whole view of how you you look. I mean, it's relatively the same story, but Pacino's impact in the movie and Dan Keaton's impact in the movie is a hell of a lot, you know, hell of a lot better as far as I'm concerned. I I, I liked it a lot more. Mm -hmm. I agree. All right. So, folks, I think we've reached... We've come to the end, and our hearts are broken because we can't speak more about this. But, <laughs> but um, again, Mr. Mr. Rumsey, always fun to speak films and music with you. Um, yeah, dude, you, we we've uh, we've done this Godfather thing quite a few times, where we've you know just made a whole day of it, and yep. you know we said what through almost seven hours of watching the same movie over. <laughs> yeah.
1: <more. laughs>
0: but anywho. Um, Thank you guys um, for uh, for listening in. My name is Mr. Lou. I am part of the Rambling Network. You can hear me on uh, the Rambling Alcoholics every Saturday morning after we film on Friday nights. Mr. Rumster, who likes to come on one time with his alter ego, Gar- uh, Gary Merchant, you'll hear him from time to time on the Rambling Alcoholics. Uh, this is the Mr. Lou Music and Movie Review. We hope you've enjoyed the special Godfather 3 version. Good night.